Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Through chapters 49 to 63, so that's quite a lot of material in the monologium, what Anselm is doing is finally getting at one of the key goals of the work, which is to demonstrate there to be a trinity along the lines of that traditional and Christian doctrine within the divine substance, so that there's a, a unity and a trinity at the same time. And the way that Anselm is going to go about explaining this is is one that's not completely original to him. It's actually, in in many respects, rather traditional itself, and it's relying upon uh, a discussion of the faculties that was already found in Augustine's On the Trinity, talking in terms of memory, understanding, and love. You might say, well, those aren't the only things that the mind does, but those are pretty important. And Anselm actually begins this whole line of discussion by saying that memory and understanding are useless, actually very useless, unless the thing that is being understood or remembered is loved or rejected according to how reason dictates. So, you know, since the Father and the Son are both supreme wisdom, supreme reason, he's already said that the the Father can be identified with memory, the Son with understanding. Uh, The question then is, well, are, are they going to love? And Anselm settles that pretty quickly. In chapter 49, the Supreme Spirit loves himself, he says. He says, As I consider with delight the distinguishing characteristics and the common features of the Father and the Son, I find nothing that brings me greater delight to consider than their affection of mutual love. And that's part of what I'm trying to diagram here. It's not completely adequate, but it's the best that we can do in two dimensions, I think. He says, It would be absurd to deny that the Supreme Spirit loves himself just as he remembers and understands himself. When even the rational mind can be shown to love itself and him in virtue of the fact that it can remember and understand itself and him. So he says the Supreme Spirit loves himself just as he remembers and understands himself. When God considers God, God loves God and loves God just as intensely as he, or just as fully as he remembers or understands. So in chapter 50, Anselm is going to say, this love proceeds equally from the Father and the Son. What does he mean there? He says... Anyone who has reason, it's perfectly clear to him, he does not remember or understand himself because he loves himself. Rather, he loves himself because he remembers and understands himself. Nothing is loved unless it's remembered and understood, and many things are are remembered and understood that are not loved. So it's evident, he says, that the love of the Supreme Spirit proceeds from him in virtue of the fact that he remembers and understands himself. And we can say this both of the Father and of the Son. The Father remembers and, through the Son, understands himself. So there's a relation of self-love there. The son also loves himself, but they also love each other. And Anselm in chapter 51 says exactly that. He says, each loves himself and the other with an equal love. So it's not like first there's the self-love and then there's the love for the other. This is all happening at the same time. All this crisscrossing of love, which is all happening within the same divine spirit or the same divine essence or divine substance, right? So he says, if the Supreme Spirit loves himself, undoubtedly the Father loves himself, the Son 
loves himself and each loves the other because the Father individually is the Supreme Spirit and the Son individually is the Supreme Spirit. Both together are one spirit and also because equally, each equally remembers and understands himself and the other. So it's not as if these things are completely separate from each other. It's by virtue of being what they are and being in the relation that they are that all of this loving comes into being, or rather, it doesn't really come into being. It just is what it is. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Chapter 52. So far, all we've got is loving back and forth, and that's wonderful, and it's nice that the supreme being in the Father and the Son loves itself and loves each other. One big love fest. What's the ontological status of that love? Is that love something that you could say is just an expression of the relationship between them? Like the fact that one is the father and one is the son, the relationship of generation, we might call it? Or is the love itself, as Anselm suggesting, itself the supreme spirit, the divine essence, the divine substance. Well, if we remember the relationship between the father and the son and how they're both the unity and also the essence of each other, Anselm had said that the father is not going to bring into, is not going to bear or generate the son as being anything less than the father. Likewise, this love between them is in fact the Supreme Spirit, just as much as they are. So here we have a relation which itself becomes, or rather, that's not even the right language, which reveals itself as having always been all along the same thing that these are. This is how we're going to get the traditional trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So let's take a look at Anselm's reasoning. He says, How great then is this love of the Supreme Spirit, which is thus common to the Father and the Son? If his love of himself is as great as his memory, and his memory and understanding of himself is as great as his essence, and this can't be otherwise, then his love is indeed as great as he himself is. So this allows Anselm in chapter 53 to conclude, this love is the very same thing that the Supreme Spirit is, yet together with Father and Son, it is one spirit. So he says, this love is the Supreme Spirit, even if no creature that is nothing other than the Supreme Spirit ever existed, the Father and Son would nevertheless love both themselves and each other. So it follows, he says, that this love is nothing other than what the Father and the Son are, namely the Supreme Essence. What is more necessary than that the Father and Son and the love of each is one Supreme Essence? So we have, again, a unity of the divine substance expressed in that three persons that are distinct from each other right off the bat and then only afterwards come to have relations, but three persons that are intimately connected with each other through the very relations. And the love, the Holy Spirit, is that between the Father and Son and itself. So he goes on and argues, for example, that it proceeds as a whole uh, from the Father and as a whole from the Son, but is still only one love because it's a unity. It's not their Son. As a matter of fact, the, the language of beginning and begotten doesn't really apply here. It's neither begotten nor unbegotten. It's a neutral, you could say. And then he, he goes on and argues about how this, this love as Supreme Spirit fits in with both of them. I'm going to actually skip over quite a bit of this because what we're really interested in here is whether 
whether Anselm has derived for himself some sort of philosophical exposition of the Trinity. And by using this line of thinking about it, which he suggests is actually coming from considering the divine substance, he seems to have attained that. So we're going to skip ahead all the way to chapter 63, how in him there is only one of one. He says, certainly the Father, the Son, and their Spirit are not three who utter, even though each one of them individually utters, nor is there more than one thing uttered when each utters himself and the other two. He goes on and on with this and he says, it's established that just as knowledge and understanding belong to his essence, even so his knowing and understanding are nothing other than this uttering. And going further, he says, we can recognize when the three of them are uttered, expressed, whether by themselves or one another, it is not the case that more than one thing is uttered. Because what is uttered except for their essence, their essentia, their, their being. So if that essence is only one, that which is uttered is only one. And Anselm is going to go on and say, I see in this something wonderful and inexplicable. Although it's evident that each of them, that is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit of the Father and the Son, equally utters himself and the other two, and that there is only one word there. Nevertheless, it appears that the word can in no way be called the word of all three, but only of, of one of them. And so he says there's only one Father, not several fathers. One Son, not several sons. And one preceding Spirit, not several, exist in the supreme essence. So, although they are three in such a way that the Father is never the Son or the proceeding Spirit, the Son is never the Father or the Spirit, of the Father the Son is never the Father or the Son, although each individually is so complete that he needs no one, nevertheless, that which they are is so much one that just as it cannot be said in the plural of each of them individually, it cannot be said in the plural of the three of them together. So what we've got here is Anselm penetrating as far as he can. He's not simply, you know, giving us a philosophical exposition of the Trinity that claims that now I've cleared up all the mystery. It's still rather mysterious. It's still paradoxical, but he's managed to penetrate into that mystery to a certain extent. And he's done so by stressing the, the Holy Spirit as proceeding from the Father and the Son through their love. Their love itself is so much love, is so much being, is so much wisdom, is so much everything else, that it is a distinct third person in relation to them. And so what we have here is Anselm's derivation of the Christian Trinity by focusing on love and focusing on it in relation to memory and understanding. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>